Street Epistemology is a wonderful approach that anyone can learn. You can learn more about Street Epistemology at streetepistemology.com. Who's here first? Lucifer Almighty is here first. That was the Pine Points. Thank you for being first. Ronald Mendonca is second with 500 Pine Points. And Susan Gibbard. Hi. 250 Pine Points to you. I was going to do a video on... Um, there was an interesting video on, on Revealed Apologetics YouTube channel about... Inspiring philosophy, trying to um, say that the Bible is consistent with evolution via common descent, and then you got the young Earth creationists, you know, battling. But you know what? I'll just let those guys, you know, the, it's an in-house battle between them. Just let them duke it out. What's interesting? Hey, there's a here's a tip for the young Earth creationists. If you want to, if you want to like um, grind the gears of these. Uh, Christians who believe in common descent, evolution via common descent. I agree with them, by the way. But here's how you grind their gears. Ask them what Jesus believed. Now, they, the, for the, the old earthers out there, the ones who believe in evolution, your best answer is to say, I don't know. But then if you're a young earth creationist, say, but really, like, what's your, if you had to place a bet, if we had a time machine and we went back into time and you had to place a bet, would Jesus say that the earth is closer to thousands of years old, billions of years old? What's your guess? It's really tough. I mean, it's really tough to say that Jesus believed that common descent was a reality and that the earth was billions of years old. Now, some... I, I, I've heard some Christians say, yeah, Jesus would have answered that way. He would have answered billions of years because he knows all things. But really? Really? Come on. I asked this question of Inspiring Philosophy, I think via text once. I thought it was on video, but I couldn't find it. Oh, I wish I would have had that. And he refused it. Well, I should put it in a very gentle and nice way. He said, I don't know. How am I to speculate what Jesus would have thought? Yeah. But instead, I want to talk about how to talk to Christians, apologists, pastors. Um, one of the great, great things about being an atheist is you don't have to talk to them. <laughs> uh, I know that sounds a little rude, but um, but yeah, got to keep in mind they're paid to raise the confidence, just like I'm paid to raise the decrease the confidence in believers. They're paid to increase the confidence in believers. I don't know if they're paid more than me or not with my measly small YouTube channel. And I have a full-time job, by the way, other than I work for myself. But other than this is just a hobby. But I do get paid through Google. It's like tens and tens of dollars. I mean, I'm rich from YouTube. That's actually more than tens and tens. It's closer to hundreds and hundreds per month. It pays the bills, the, the internet bill and so forth. But I want to play a clip on... Why sometimes it's absolutely useless to talk to some Christians, especially some apologists. And I think I have it queued up here. Let me know if the audio is fine. Welcome. If you're new here, tag me. Uh, and maybe I'll see you. If, if you've been there and you've suffered through a season out, trust me. Listen, 
every Christian has suffered through a season of doubt. And if they say they haven't, they're either not. Every Christian has suffered through a season of doubt. You realize what he's equating doubt to suffering. So if I'm raising doubt in Christians, I'm causing them to suffer, which is bad. Right? So at this point, I'm a terrible person for raising doubt because I'm causing suffering. Am I a bad person to raise doubt in false beliefs that harm people? Uh, would a Christian say that I'm a bad person because I'm causing suffering and raising doubt in a Mormon, a Muslim, a Hindu, a Scientologist, a Jim Jones cult member, a Waco, Texas cult member? Is that type of doubt suffering and is bad of me to raise doubt in? Not being honest, or they just haven't thought about it. Because mm -hmm. doubt is one of Satan's favorite tools to use. Doubt is one of Satan's favorite tools to use. I use doubt all the time. I define doubt, by the way, as not as an, as an emotion, but as uh, questioning. Not an instinct of, oh, I'm happy or I'm sad. It's just uh, beyond a shadow of a doubt, just not question it. You know it. You don't question it anymore. It's settled. That's what I mean by doubt. And so if this is what this gentleman means by doubt, this gentleman's name, by the way, is Braddy Blevins. Braddy Blevins. Oh, I should have tweeted you. You're welcome to join me on this live stream. Um, let's see. Can I do that? I don't want to do it while I'm on air here. But if someone, uh, if one of my mods is here, find his, it's Bra Brady Blevins, tweet him that I'm live and he's welcome to join me and he needs to show himself and uh, he can come on. But when he says this, I thought about it because mm -hmm. doubt is one of Satan's favorite tools to use. And so he's equating doubt to something Satan uses. What do you do at this point? Like, this guy really believes in Satan. I mean, as a real entity. I think 40% of all Americans do as well. But even amongst people who call themselves Christians, most people believe um, in God, of course. But fewer, way fewer believe in Satan. But this guy does. And so what, you know, if I, if I say to the world, my goal is to raise doubt in you about Christianity. He's just equated me to Satan. Yes? Is that fair? Now, here's my advice to atheists listening. Don't fight it. This is why I joke all the time that Satan's in the corner. But in this guy's worldview, this is not a joke. In Braxton Hunter's worldview, remember he made that video on me about he refuted me using scripture and basically called me Satan. They're not joking around, even though I am. They do believe I'm under the power of the evil one, as it says in 1 John. forget exactly what chapter. They believe that Satan has dominion over this world, and, and, and all those who are not true Christians are under his power and dominion. And doubt is a tool that Satan uses. So my advice is don't fight it. You enter their worldview, and you say yes. And if Brady Blevins is listening right now, I welcome you to come talk to me knowing that I have the power of Satan on my side. 
I'm going to use your beliefs against you without hiding anything. All my cards are on the table. I have the power of Satan and I'm really good at what I do because of Satan. Now will you talk to me? I warn you, you need to wear the full armor of God when you talk to me. Because if you don't, because of the power I have with Satan on my side, I will cause doubt in you and your followers and all those who support you will see it and they too will doubt. And the ultimate goal here, again, I'm entering your worldview, all my cards on the table, is to lead you to hell and your followers. I don't even have to hide. I can just come out and tell you, you know what? You're still scared. Even though you have the power of the Holy Spirit on your side, you're still scared. Scared for people in Canada, but scared for the Southern Americans. Why are you scared? Or maybe you're not scared. Are you willing to face Satan face to face, i.e., me? Can you do it? And here's another challenge I have. <laughs> this is so much fun. If apologists are so good at training the youth, the Christian youth, on how to defend your faith, I want you, Brady Blevins, to think of some youth that you have personally trained that you are confident that you have uh, raised them up in the way that they should go. Bring me, uh, it has to be over 18 years old. I don't talk to minors. Have them come on my show and see how they do. And let this youth know that I am under the power of the evil one. I have Satan on my side. Satan has filled me with his evil spirit. And, um, and I will use tricks. Here's my... Uh, cards on the table. I'm going to use tricks like asking very simple questions. Like, why do you believe this? How did you come to this conclusion? What do you mean? These are tricks of Satan. These types of questions. Then I'll ask questions about consistency. Like if, if you say, for example, that you believe by faith uh, because of some personal experience, and that's how you, one of the reasons why you believe that what you believe is true, I can ask, so are you consistent uh, on this area? If, if someone through a personal experience believes that a different God is true, does that mean it's more likely to be true? And then, of course, they'll say, no, 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 no. And then we'll talk about manuscripts and we'll talk about historical evidence. And each step of the way, I'll ask very simple questions. But they're tricky questions because they're so simple that they're complex. They're so simple that they're actually manipulative. And now, if the Christian youth comes on, or even uh, Brady Blevins comes on and, and starts to avoid these simple questions or, or bloviates, I, you know, in a very gentle way, and I have a lot of historical evidence to show that I can be very gentle. But at some point, I will stop and bring you back around to my initial question before everyone forgets and ask you again. 
I won't let you hide in nuance. I won't let you hide in philosophy. I'll just ask you, why do you believe what you believe? How did you come to this conclusion? Do you think this is reliable? Do you think this, you are being consistent? And you, and you know what? It's fine to say no. And I've had a lot of Christians say that to me. No, um, I really don't have a good reason to believe what I believe, but I like it. And you know what? I have records, live streams, videos where people have said that to me. I'm, Ian Mills comes to mind. I asked him why he was a Christian. And you know, he said, he's a historian student at Duke. He said, I'm a Christian because I think it's awesome, or I love it, or I like it, something like that. I think Laura Robinson had the same answer. Guess what I did? I didn't push back. I said, great. I don't know if I said great, but. But there's a lot of Christians who admit, you know what? I can't defend this rationally. But it brings me hope, meaning, and purpose. It, it makes my life more awesome. So leave me alone. And you know what I say? Okay, I'll leave you alone. So even though I'm under the power of the evil one and I'm full of Satan, Satan's uh, evil spirit, I'm still a nice guy. Because, you know, Satan was a pretty nice guy in the Bible. He just did what God said most of the time. Never told a lie. He might have told half-truths, but he never told a lie. Satan was actually a pretty good guy. In fact, a lot of Jews believe that Satan was created by God in order so we all can have free will, and otherwise just everyone would be a Christian. So the Satan is a messenger, one of God's employees. So if I work for Satan, I actually work for God because Satan's on God's payroll and I'm on Satan's payroll. This is why Pine Creek Doug had to shave his mustache. Its angelic presence on his face was blocking the power of Satan. <laughs> no, no, I shaved my mustache because it was itchy. Did anybody tweet uh, this guy yet, Brady Blevins, for me? Look up, just type in Google. I guess I could do it. But type in Google, Brady Blevins, Twitter, and I think maybe I'll do it. <sighs> this was Myron's job, but then after I fired him, Oh, no, Travis did it. Thank you. 500 pine points to Travis. Statham for doing it. So, uh, Brady, if you come show yourself, and I'll give you an uh, email and then a link, and then you can hop on and we can talk. Okay, I want to keep talking. So remember, doubt equals suffering, and doubt equals a tool of Satan. So any street epistemologist whose goal is to raise doubt is immediately causing suffering, in this guy's view, and using a tool of Satan. And when doubt comes, it's not always a bad thing because it's through my seasons of doubt yes. that have helped me to dig deeper into areas that I would have never looked at before. Yes, this is the way you should view me. View me. So if you're a Christian listening, view me as someone to help you become a stronger Christian. You're welcome. And if you feel so led by the Holy Spirit, if I'm successful in helping you become a stronger Christian in your faith, you know, it's only right and just that you should donate, you know, part of your tithe to the one, Satan's messenger, to help you in your strength <laughs> in Christianity. Hmm. But it's because of those questions, those nagging questions, that we can dig deeper into the faith and get to know and have a much better relationship uh, with our Lord and Savior. And for that, 
um, I am grateful. But but we need to be there for those who we love, and we need to be equipped ourselves to be able to handle those folks who come. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Dan, we're we're out of time. Is there anything you kind of want to say in conclusion? Yeah, this is the yes. end. By the way. Um, this is a great time to, as the Apostle Paul says in one of the Corinthian chapters, uh, test yourselves. Um, and this is a great way to do it. Now, don't be morbidly introspective. Uh, we, I, even, even in all my 28 years of Christianity, which is a lot of it's been morbidly introspective, um, you know, accept the basic truths of who God says you are. And, and, and you can't doubt without a standard of truth and, and don't trust your feelings. And there are questions you're going to get questions. I get questions you get that we can't answer because we're, we don't know everything. Yeah. I, I really appreciate that. And those are the great times you just say, I don't know. I think a lot of times Christians are just, they're fed up with always having to defend their faith, even though they're commanded to in First Peter 3.15. And they want to have a guy like me be on the hot seat. Why don't you defend what you believe? Okay, I believe that when I let go of this pen, it's going to fall towards the ground. And I can defend it. Now, I know, I, I know that's a trite answer, but I am not dogmatic. There's very few things I'm dogmatic about. There's very few things that I'm passionate about um, that I would feel the need to defend like these guys. And that the things that I am passionate about is like simple things that it seems like every culture agrees with, every religion agrees with. And this bothers them because they can't, they so badly want to pin me down like they feel I'm pinning them down. But really, I'm not pinning them down. I'm just exposing the foolishness of their belief. And I will say, in Christians, from the Christian point of view, they need to accept that because their scriptures say so. The gospel is indeed foolishness to those who are perishing. The Lord takes the wisdom of the world and makes it look foolish. And the Lord takes the foolish things of this world and makes it look wise. The Lord chooses the weak often and the foolish. Do you disagree with me, Christians? Don't you hate it when atheists know your scriptures better than you do? Okay. um, Now, most of this video was bashing on street epistemology, like guys like Anthony. I shouldn't say bashing. That's poisoning the well, right? It's a constructive uh, analysis and criticism of uh, people like Anthony Magnabosco and um, one of the mods here, Reed. Nice wonder. I don't know if Reed, are you here? And if you guys haven't seen this video, this is, should I play it? How long did they show? Yeah, I'll play this. If you haven't seen this video, it is classic. It's, uh, I think, Reed's most popular video. And he asked very simple questions of a young Christian gal who, of course, was in dire need of apologetics. thing that we are all... Jesus called his disciples fools. Well, in the Bible, everyone's a fool. You're a fool if you don't believe in God. If you're, you're a fool if you don't uh, fear God. Uh, you should be fools for Christ. In the Bible, it doesn't matter if you're a Christian or non-Christian. Everyone's a fool. Okay, here we go. Here's Reed. Not unless... Yeah, like... Spiritual struggle. So, yeah, like, just believing in a god doesn't make it true, right? Um, not unless you truly know. Unless you truly know. How could we know? I think it's just faith, going back to faith. 
It's just it's, faith? It's not, yeah. I, that's what I believe. Having faith. Just, just believing in something? Give you knowledge mm-hmm. about it? I think so. If someone just believed in Santa, does that give them knowledge? Don't bring up Santa. You know you gotta do. Like, there, there's no evidence for Santa. Is there evidence for a god? Mm-hmm. What's the best one? There's a lot. Like I said, there, there's a lot. I have to think, but you're putting me on the spot. It's hard. I do. I have them written down actually, and here. Okay. You know what's interesting is it, it is a hard question. What's but it, this is. Again, here's I'm trying to help Christians become better Christians. But if someone asks you the question, what's your best evidence for God? You should have one in your back pocket. You should at least have one that you can say very quickly that you've thought about before. And I think for most Christians, I don't know if most, a big percentage of Christians, it is personal experience. I experienced the the true, the one true living Savior, the one true living God back in 1994 at summer camp or during a worship service, something amazing happened. Um, or they'll say something like fine-tuning or whatever, but at least have one that you don't have to, mm, well, there's so many I don't know. If all that evidence, I'm not saying it's not true, that evidence, but if all that evidence was found to be not reliable, would that change your confidence that the God is real? No. So it's not <laughs> it really, really wouldn't. So it's not really about evidence either? No, it's just about faith. I and, think, and faith is just belief? I think faith is different than belief. How so? I think faith, um, it's more of like an... In- you notice uh, Reed's, what Reed's not doing? He's not putting words in her mouth. He's asking her, what do you mean by faith? Internal feeling and belief is just like... I don't know how to explain it. I don't know how to explain it, but I, there's just, I have this feeling in me that I know God is. I got this feeling down in my soul. Real, and like, I can't explain it. Everyone has to go through it on their own. You can't force someone to become Christian. You can't force someone to become another religion. It's just a choice they make, and I'm not trying to force anybody or anyone. Anyone can make their own decision. Yeah, people have the right to believe they in whatever. They have the right, yeah. And, but, but can people choose to believe in something and make it true? they can make it true i think it is true and or it's not true i don't think you can make it true gotcha and it's also an internal feeling for you as well what's that it's also an internal feeling by the way apologists should thank reed cord your curiosity for this video because this video has been shown on many apologists web, um youtube channels websites or whatever as an example of why you need apologetics Reed single-handedly, I'm sure, has increased book sales, um, interest in apologetics. Reed, on behalf of all Christian apologists everywhere in the world, we thank you. We thank you for exposing the need for apologetics. Yeah. Okay. Like, can we be? Can our feelings a reliable way to have confidence in the God like this? I would say so. You're asking tough questions. You really are. You're doing good. Um, it's not. I'm not saying it's reliable. It's not. But it's just what I believe personally, and I always will believe it. I just have a very strong faith towards it. It's just believing or having faith in anything a reliable way to have confidence that something's true? 
I think faith. Why? David Jones in the live my live stream chat says, Reed sounds like a typical anti-theist. You mean asking simple questions in a very nice and cordial way? Yeah, I agree with you, David Jones. Because it's... <laughs> you are... You're good at this. <laughs> Can you answer Reed? Nice wonder. I'm just very interested in why, I know. People, why people believe. By the way, what I'm playing now is not from Reed's channel. It's from a channel called Daniel Ray. Um, and they're critiquing street epistemologists, basically critiquing the tools of Satan. I need to get my, my book out. I have a book in here. Helps me out. I can't memorize all of it. Well, we can maybe take a pause here and think about it. Maybe come back in a, in a minute or so. He's asking me tough questions. Phone a friend. I know. Wait, what was the question that you were asking me? Why should someone use faith to believe in anything? Okay. I need to get my book out. Can I get my book out? <laughs> sure. Oh, my. This is my book. Helps me out. I'm doing a Bible study right now. Okay. <laughs> Whoever's leading that Bible study probably saw this video and going, No! No. Let's see. Yeah, they added music. Okay. Cheat sheet. Remember the cheat sheets for geometry and algebra or even chemistry and physics, all the formulas? She's using her cheat sheet now. It's asking me tough questions. I didn't even learn this in Bible class. <laughs> or I slept through it. Are your children prepared for the onslaught of the evil one? For the questions that will cause your children to doubt? For the tools of Satan? If not, operators are standing by. For $19.95, you can buy our apologetics book. So, Dan, I am so happy that, that we're able to stop and take this time to talk about this because I really think this is important yeah. uh, for uh, us to talk about and most importantly for people to be concerned about. So let, let's kick this thing off. And, and the last time we talked about uh, what a street epistemology was, we talked about Peter. He said what people should be concerned about, what Christians should be concerned about. Why should – this is a, a tip I have. I like to put my cards on the table and let Christians know, enter their worldview and say, look, my goal here is to send you to hell and your kids to hell. I'm under the power of the evil one. Um, assume I don't have a good basis for anything I believe, but I'm just, my goal is to manipulate you and trick you into uh, raising doubt and, and causing doubt in your followers. So I can just say all that freely. And, uh, but for them, why is doubt so bad again? See if you can get them to say the word hell. In my experience, apologists will fight tooth and nail. Not all of them, but a lot of them will fight against this. Because what's really at stake here is not just hope, meaning, and purpose in this life. It's not just trying to survive through this tough world in this life. No, no, there's something even greater, and that is hell. But for some reason, and I don't know why, a lot of apologists and Christians don't want to go there. But really, that's what it's about, I think, for many of them. Bogosian, Dr. Peter Bogosian, uh, who really kind of um, uh, originated this using a Socratic method. 
And now, uh, it, 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 if if you missed part one, uh, it might be good to go back and listen to part Can one I before speed you this finish up? this one. Do I have permission? But uh, because we really laid a good foundation there to understanding what this is all about and how all this works. But now I want to delve into what an actual conversation looks like. And uh, Dan, I've been able to read. Uh, <laughs> Tired Bob Marley says she doesn't have enough faith to be an atheist. Yes, yes. If only you atheists out there had a little more faith, you could be atheists. I mean, that didn't make sense. If only you Christians had a little more faith, you could be an atheist. Many of your online conversations via Twitter uh, with street epistemologists, I've even watched the videos that you've made talking about street epistemology. I've even watched the review videos that street epistemologists <laughs> made of your videos, which, yeah. by the way, um, they were fabulous. And we do need to go back and talk about those videos uh, uh, but before our time is up today, Brady Blevins, are you here further, yet? Let's let's just dig into this and let's get to the heart of the question. What's a what is what is a, a, a conversation with the street epistemologist look like? Well, that's an excellent question, and we're going to outline this. But first, as we said in the beginning of the other broadcast, uh, it is essential to know why you believe what you believe. The success of a street epistemologist to get someone yeah. to doubt isn't so much that the street epistemologist is so crafty and wise and smart necessarily. We're all human beings. and Well, we're, we're under the power of the evil one. Like, you got to admit, Satan is pretty crafty. And if we're his messengers, we got a little bit of that too. Have faulty beliefs. But it's really, it takes advantage of uh, a lot of Christians who, who haven't thought about certain philosophical questions or, or are uncertain about their own faith or maybe on the fence or something. Or Yes, Christians, if only you studied a little bit of philosophy you could answer these hard questions like why do you believe what you believe from us street epistemologists under the power of satan like you need at least how many credit hours do you need in philosophy i don't know six nine if you don't have nine credit hours of philosophy and you call yourself a christian let me just say you're a flag waving phony christian you got to have some philosophy if you encounter one a street epistemology and you're sort of weak in the faith and i don't mean that to, to put anybody down just it takes advantage of people that have a limited understanding of christianity uh as we yes we atheists we that's our goal like i okay i'm gonna let you guys into us you know on a secret I, I don't believe i'm admitting this on air but satan has empowered us with a certain um sense of smell i'm not lying this is true we can sniff out the weak among you and that's who we target. I shouldn't have said Satan, forgive me. I know I shouldn't have said that, but it's true. And you're never a liar, right? No, they're not going to put on cologne to mask it or perfume. They can't mask the, weak, the Christian weakness smell. Right? Yeah. Yeah, no, I can sniff. I can sniff, sniff. I can sniff a weak Christian a mile away. Yeah, and that's who I target. Like, you look at all my videos of all the interviews I've had, every single one of them has been a weak, weak Christian. You conceded in the, in the previous episode that uh, Peter Bogosian is somewhat right that he runs into this colloquial use of faith as Michael Lacona could sniff him a mile away. Yeah. Belief without evidence coming from Christians. I just believe. Um, and that's not really the orthodox understanding of faith as we outlined in the beginning. So the, the main success in these conversations from SEers is um, is taking advantage of Christians that are are not grounded. Yeah, they're weak. They're not grounded. So I'm begging for the strong, grounded Christians to come 
call into my show because I am tired. It's just too easy. Tired of all these weak, ungrounded, flag-waving phonies. And that's, that goes back into discipleship and teaching. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's where the church, I think, in the last several decades, that's where we've been weak in, in training and equipping. And I think that's why apologetics is important. Um, yes. See, look, at if you guys would have the books Daniel Ray has, you Christians out there, and actually read them and studied them, then maybe you would do better against these questions like, why do you believe what you believe? And how did you come to that conclusion? And is it reliable? Like, let's see here. Lord Jesus Christ. Like that book alone you should have read. What else do we got here? Oh, it's too small. Kepler? History and Practice of Ancient Astronomy? Yeah, you got to read that book if you want to be a grounded Christian. What else do we got here? On Guard. Oh, yeah, On Guard. Yeah, you got to be on guard for sure. The Monument Men. Yeah, you got to know about the Monument Men. And uh, don't forget Lee Strobel's book, uh, Case for Christ, and Greg Kolkel's book, Tactics, and Frank Turk's book, I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be. What is it? I don't know. But you got to read these books, Christians, because the Bible is not enough. This, this renaissance in training and equipping young minds to, to understand the gospel. Uh, and that's important because without that, you, you will yeah. fall into this SE trap and find yourself in a, in a period of doubt. But I would say that the SE thing is the catalyst that makes you realize the insufficiency of your own knowledge about how you come to believe things. So in the one hand, I would, I would applaud the SE conversationalist in getting people to think more deeply about their faith. I think there's some SE people that would, that would applaud yeah. you for strengthening your faith. If you came back to them and said, hey, my faith is strengthened because you made me go back and look. And you went back to this guy and you said, thanks for helping me because my faith is now more solid. There yes. Uh, do I ever get a thanks? Is there any Christians in here where I've strengthened their, their faith, they're willing to publicly thank me? There are some SE practitioners that would probably like that. Um, there are some that wouldn't, um, but it's, it's a broad yeah. spectrum. But the conversational technique, uh, there's, I'm, I'm going to take a, a, a general example. Um, there are other tactics and techniques that are, are utilized, but I'm going to go with a big one because this one comes up a lot. It's the one you encountered. It's the one I see a lot. It's, it's the one that's asked a lot about uh, believers. What is your confidence that your belief in God? Once you've established God as the topic, what is your confidence level in your belief in God? And he's laughing. This is okay. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna all my cards on the table. If you're a Christian and you hear an atheist ask or say the word confidence, turn around and run. I mean, confidence. I think has its roots. It's is it etymology or is that the bugs? Entomology. Its etymology is is having to do with faith. So it's basically, what is your faith? How strong is your faith? If you hear the word confidence, you're talking to someone. If an atheist, no. If someone just says, what's your confidence level and your belief about God, you know you're talking to Satan face to face. It's just, that's a given. So this is the, this is the Mount Everest. This is the pinnacle, I think, the, the primary tactic. And so they want to get you, as I mentioned in the previous broadcast, they want to get you to, to give a number. Oh, I'm 100% confident God exists. I very rarely ask people to give a number. But I think what is useful is um, rankings or comparisons. So 
Are you more confident that Joe Biden is president today, or are you more confident that, I don't know, that Lexus makes the best car? Eh, that's not a good comparison, but you know what I'm getting at. You can rank them. Are you more confident that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, or are you more confident that when I let go of this pen, it's going to fall down? Ooh. I've asked that question a few times. I remember I asked that question to Mike Winger, and he did not like it. <laughs> and then sometimes they'll they'll come back and define 100 as something, you know, um, epistemically impossible that no human being. You know what's fun, and I've done this as well, is for Christians who know that I sometimes practice street epistemology, I will do the opposite, and I'll I'll use the confidence question, but not with a number, but I'll just try to. I have used numbers once in a while, but I'll, I'll basically try to raise it. So if you're a Christian listening and you want me to help you become more confident in Christianity, I'm all for that as well. But keep in mind that when I do that, it's still a trick. It's still me manipulating you to cause you to doubt in the long run. But for the time being, I can help raise your confidence in Jesus. Would, would attribute, you know. Uh, and so the, the, they define 100 in an impossible way, and then the, the Christian the theist dials down his confidence to like 98. And I have a video of this where I break this down, where a guy says, I'm 100% confident Jesus exists. And then the SE person defines 100 in an impossible sort of Might no be way, too sarcastic. Never, question, never doubt, nothing, no way, no way, no way. Should I, and then, should I dial it back or should I go harder? And the Christian goes, <laughs> well, it's 98. And then choof, right away, it's already in a downward uh, position. Yeah. And then they'll proceed to ask you very specific yeah. questions. So, you know, I might say, well, I, I think the Bible is, is one reason, the main reason maybe I'm confident as an example of, of how God exists and, and how I know that my belief mm -hmm. is true. And so what they'll do then is they're not going to question so much the Bible and the apologetics reliability of the Gospels manuscript. Ever. I do. He's not describing me. If someone says, oh, the main reason why I believe Christianity is true is because of the Bible, I'll ask questions like, well, is one of the main reasons why um, um, a Muslim is confident that Islam is true is because of the Quran? Yes. Does that mean the core propositions of Islam is true? No. Does your confidence in the Bible mean that Christianity is true? Yes. You see the inconsistency? You got to be more detailed than that. So that's why I'll go into the historical evidence and so forth. Evidence, all that kind of stuff. They'll just say, well, how do you know the Bible is true? Yeah. And then they'll proceed to sort of dial down your confidence mm -hmm. in the Bible. Well, do you know that there are other religions out there? I mean, I can't tell you, Brady, how many times I just go, oh. Yeah. That, that that argument works with a lot of people like Vishnu and Allah, and they bring these other gods up. Yeah. And and people are like, you know, the street epistemologist says, you know, well, if the Hindu uses faith to believe in Vishnu and the Muslim uses faith to believe in Allah and you use faith to believe in Jesus, then maybe faith is the problem. And you're just like, no. Wow. What? Why? Show me how the faith is not a problem in Christianity, but is a problem in Islam or Hinduism. Because faith in Christianity is the true faith, right? And because Christianity is special, right? And because Christianity is unique, right? Christianity is the only religion where a man died and rose again. All those other founders are dead. The uniqueness makes it more likely to be true. Really? No. You don't believe that. I've asked this question to many Christians and they'll agree to that. Uniqueness doesn't make something more likely to be true because I can come up with the most bizarre, unique thing you can think of. That doesn't mean it 
truly exists. Every Christian agrees with that. But that's what they do. And so, so they think that, that faith is the problem because there's all these other religions out there and they throw these other religions at you. If you're having a conversation- I have video of, uh, what's his name? Vodi Bakum. He's a well-respected apologist and preacher. And he agrees with street epistemologists like me who say, you know, personal experiences having faith is a horrible way to arrive in that truth. Now, he's a presuppositionalist, so he's a little different. But he, he will admit that. With one person like that online, and they bring up Vishnu, you can rest. I don't know why they use Vishnu all the time. We use Vishnu because it's a non-Abrahamic God. That's why. That predates Christianity. That's why. It's a great example. Keep using Vishnu. Satan, you agree? Yeah. Ganesh as well? Vishnu or Ganesh? But isn't Vishnu the top one, or is it Ganesh? Satan doesn't remember. But that's a key god they bring up. Um, and you can just say, well, you know, people they seem use, to like Vishnu. People use logic and reason to come to different conclusions. Yes. People use logic and reason to come to different conclusions. Why are you saying that by what you're saying here, that if faith is unreliable, then logic and reason would be unreliable too? Because some. No, 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 no. Are there examples? where we have people of different religions, different cultures, all coalescing to the same conclusion based on the same evidence? Answer, yes. For those things, we raise our confidence. Do we have examples where people of different religions and different cultures disagree on certain propositions, given the same evidence? Yes, on those things, we lower our confidence. And... I think that appeals to authority is not necessarily wrong. If you have an expert on something, we should give more weight to the experts. Does that mean they're definitely right? No. I think this is why I think there's presuppositional uh, apologists out there is because all this stuff is just avoided. They can just, no, we just assume the Bible is true. Case closed. We're done. That's our starting point many people use logic and reason uh, to come to different conclusions. So maybe we shouldn't distrust, we yeah. should distrust logic and reason. There's something wrong with their analogy. They try to isolate faith and make faith look like it's unique among all the other ways that we know things. And they try to, they try to reduce your confidence in the Bible by bringing up other religions. So you have to, not that you have to know comparative religious mm -hmm. studies to be able to answer this question, but to be firm. Yeah. The thing is we bring up other religions like, okay, Muhammad said that, uh, or in the Hadith, I believe it says, or is it the Quran that says that um, Muhammad flew up into the heavens in a, on a winged beast? Christians, do you believe it? If that's all you knew is that claim, well, do you believe it? Oh, man. Satan's allowed me to listen to a lot of Christians right now in the headset. All of them, are, except one, all except one is saying, no, we don't believe it. Okay. Do you believe it if we have a claim that... Jesus appeared to the Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus. Yeah, I'm hearing them come in. All the Christians saying, yes, we do believe it. Hmm. And your knowledge of Jesus, the resurrection, and the reliability of the Gospels, um, and why they are unlike Islam or Hindu or, or Jehovah's Witnesses or Mormonism. That's where we help out a watchman. Uh, one of the ways that I end conversations with street epistemologists is yeah. that I tell them that I work at, a, at, a, at an organization that studies other world religions. And then pretty much that conversation, that part of the conversation is over. No, it wouldn't be over with me. I would use that to my advantage because I got Satan on my side. 
And I would, I would ask questions like, why is it that the Muslim just can't see how wrong they are? Why do you think, Daniel? And then you, if I could get a straight answer out of you, you would answer it. Well, because, you know, they were raised in, they were biased, and, and they haven't maybe studied other world religions like I have. Hmm. Could it be that you're biased? And that's the reason why you can't see why other religions view yours as false? Because I'm ready to converse in, in, in whatever religion <laughs> they want, they want to talk about. That yeah. But that's one thing. And, so and that's another thing. I would love a Christian to talk to me who's studied world religions and who's a Christian and, and, and ask them, like, do you want me to raise doubt in these other religious false beliefs or no? Do you want, do you want me to help you? have them turn from their their wicked ways and these false beliefs and seek the truth and find the truth do you want me to, you want me to help you with that is it noble for a street epistemologist to have a muslim suffer and feel anxiety that what they've been taught all their whole life might be false is it noble or not this is a question I, a lot of uh, Christians I've, I've asked of don't want to answer. They, they hate street epistemology so much <laughs> because it's raised doubt in so many Christians, the technique, but yet they hate to admit that they want us to do it for all those other people. Am I wrong? Can any apologist look me in the eyes and tell me I'm wrong? You want me, you, don't you want me to raise doubt in Muslims? Yes. They'll probably say, well, only if you replace it with Christianity, Doug. Then we'll on your side. But you just can't leave them hanging. Because next thing you know, they'll be putting crystals on their chest to fight heart disease. Well, you could be right. They'll dial that confidence down. And so exactly. somebody goes, hmm, you know, I never thought about that before. Maybe I'm now I'm 70 on the Bible. I still believe it, but I'm I'm 70. So they go, so mm. so then they'll go, well, okay, so what brings you to that 98% confidence if if we can set the bible aside now? What what else do you see? Well, I think the universe doesn't look like the universe could have just come into existence for nothing. And then they'll try to dial that one down. And for those of you who know me, I very rarely push back on deism. If you want to believe in t some type of philosophy god, knock yourself out. But if you're saying that I believe in god because of the fine tuning of the universe, the question I have as well, isn't God all-powerful? Couldn't he have tuned it anywhere, any way he wanted? Couldn't he have moved the dials any way he wanted and still get intelligent life? The Christian out there will have to say yes if they believe that God's all-powerful. So this whole fine-tuning thing, out the window. Because you don't need to fine-tune to get the, it done. You can just... God could have been a, like a, a blindfolded monkey and just said, here's all the dials, here's all the physical constants, uh, and stop. And then whatever it ended up on, okay, I'm going to make intelligent life out of that. You know, and, and, and you'll go through a series of things. You might say, well, yeah. personal experience, uh, conviction, uh, blah, blah, blah. And they'll try to dial that one down. And so after they go through these four individual things or whatever you say, they've tried to wipe away your cumulative case and they'll try to end the conversation. Yeah, yeah, try to wipe away your cumulative case. This is why I absolutely am, am in love with my great ancestor, my great, 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 great grandfather who could fly unaided. He flew across the Grand Canyon. I love the flying man because it forces the Christian or the Muslim, whoever, it forces them 
to focus in on each piece of the cumulative case one by one and not just have their thoughts bombarded and play whack-a-mole all day long with all the different reasons why they believe. ...by saying, well, um, so what gives you this 98% confidence level? Because, you know, I just knocked down all four of your things. And so why are you 98% confident? And they go, I'm not. I'm like <sighs> 70 now. I'm like 80. I'm like mm. 60 or whatever. And you can imagine the impact that this has on, on younger people who've not really been... What's the impact? What, what impact? They went from 99 to 70? What's the impact? They still believe, right? What's the problem here? I, I'm assuming as long as anything over 50 is still belief. But maybe not. I don't know. But what's, what's the big deal? Are you scared they're going to go home and cry in their room for two hours? Is that what this is about? Taught how to think through these yeah. things. And so that's, that's the confidence scale. And that's what they use a lot. Oh, this guy. <laughs> uh, the truth wanted. Yeah, I've known him for a while. Um, I remember this well. I, I'm going to skip this. Let's get back to these guys talking. Embedded in all of their questions to you as they're trying to reduce your confidence are tacit, counter-apologetic. Yeah, I, I agree, Oak River. Oak River is my younger brother to Pine Creek. Oh, I wish SC was that easy going from 98 to 70. Yeah, it's, yeah it typically doesn't happen that way. Most people are stubborn in their beliefs, me included. Like, we're, that's the human condition, right? Um, people change their minds usually when they're in the privacy and the comfort of their own home, when they feel safe underneath the covers and they're thinking about things and all of a sudden they realize, or they're watching YouTube or whatever by themselves in their office and, and, and finally just something clicks and they go, you know what? I don't think I believe this anymore. It very rarely happens out in public. Atheist counter-apologetics. Um, for those that are practicing the SE for the particular brand of atheism. Um, but that is, that's a common, a very common on Facebook, Twitter, on YouTube. Those are the most popular discussions you'll see on YouTube. And then the... This guy talks about me soon, I think. Not by name, but... Like I said, the interlocutor will say, well, then is faith really a reliable reason, a reliable method by which we come to know the truth of things? And so they've... Most Christians don't even define faith as a method, so... The of course, the answer would be no. Kind of scored a victory if they've gotten you to go from 98 to 70. Yeah, and how dare... This is all about winning and losing, right? So you, as an apologist, you don't want those minions of Satan to score victory. This is what it's all about. And of course, you don't want to have Christians look like fools publicly because that will decrease the confidence in other Christians watching. So... I tell you, what Christians need to do is just win, 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 no matter what. That is a typical yeah. Uh, yeah. engagement with a street epistemologist. You know, that's that's interesting in that... Um, Brady, are you here yet? You know, you'd mentioned before that, that, you know, they're looking to just, if they can just knock you down a percentage, you know, even if it's just one point, they, they feel like that they have won the conversation. Mm -hmm. But it, Yeah, it's all about winning. I tell you, if I get 1% decrease, oh just joy, hope, meaning, and purpose fills my soul. This is what I found interesting. Uh, whenever, uh, in my most recent conversation with an atheist, and they were trying to use this SE tactic, 
trying, but not successful with you, right? One of the very first uh, questions was uh, this issue of confidence. And I mean, of course, obviously, you know, you know, I work here at Watchman Fellowship and we're, you know, we're involved in, in this kind of stuff. And, and so the red flag immediately went up and I, I knew what I was dealing with. Yeah, you were dealing with Satan. But I, I stopped for just a moment just to kind of ponder the question and think, this is kind of a ridiculous question because whatever number I would have responded with would have been a made up number. How do you quantify how much you believe something? Uh, it's, I agree with this. It's tough, but it's not meant to be like a scientific, oh, absolutely for sure. It's just a gauge. And again, you don't have to use numbers. You can use comparisons. It's a bad question. And um, Are you more confident in your relationship with your wife, Brady? Or are you more confident in your relationship with Jesus? Ooh. Do you know your wife better or Jesus better? Ooh, how dare you bring up such comparisons? You can't compare the two. Category error. And, and so my response was, and, and uh, now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and put myself in the hot seat with you for a minute. My answer was that I was sufficiently confident uh, in, in uh, the existence of God. So Yeah, just say I'm confident. Hmm. If, if someone said to me, because I'm crafty and sneaky, if someone says, uh, I'm just confident. I would get to get them to admit that there was times when they weren't as confident as they are today. Or talk about if they can come out and admit that they have seasons of doubt. Now, doubt's not the opposite of confidence, but if they can admit that there's seasons of doubt that in their life, at that point, would they have said they're just as confident? Now, of course, they're going to push back on everything you ask because the goal here is to win. The goal is to, to not look bad, to not look weak, right? Christians, it's okay to look weak. It's okay to have the whole world think that you're irrational because you have the truth on your side, right? Embrace it. Oof, that was harsh. Mm -hmm. How did I answer, Dan? Was that a good answer or a bad answer? No, that's that's excellent. And if you say something like that, what you're going to get immediately, you're going to it's going to be revealed to you that you're talking to somebody who is a street epistemologist. Because there are people who have various levels of experience. There's some that have been doing this for almost ten years, and there are some that are just they see YouTube channels, and you know they go like, oh, I can go out and do that. And they, yeah, yeah. If you are not experienced, then don't try this at home. You're going to be a seasoned expert they go out and do that and they don't have the seasoned engagement yeah, like, i can do that yeah a lot of these people who have the youtube channels with thousands of, of subscribers have been doing this for years some of the more less experienced street epistemologists will just go out there. i've got a camera i've got a computer i can go out there and do this and ask these trick questions whatever um oak river says notice how many of these apologists who criticize se offer counter tactics aimed only to trip up the se year yeah what wait a minute we got tactics going against Krishna, tactics going against the Asir, who are mostly atheists, of course. Man, tactics going both ways, I guess. Well, you, you just say- Well, which makes sense, Oak River, because this is a battle, it's a spiritual warfare, right? We represent the demons, the evil forces, and they represent the good forces. Um. Wouldn't it be great that during an SE conversation, you could actually see with your own eyes these spiritual battles going on around you 
like would we see like little guys in red capes with spears and and angels with the halos battling back and forth and of course the red cape guy would be over my head and the angel would be over daniel's head hey, well i'm confident it derails some of them they don't know what to do um some of them the more mature will progress past that oh no don't worry about it you know okay so let's just talk about your level of confidence um but some of the other ones it the reason i think yes travis you're right apologists should go door to door to warn about se just like they go door to door to talk about the good news of jesus they should go door to door to talk about the bad news of street epistemology yes you know what's kind of ironic about this that in a way you you older Christians, you know the youth. You know the youth pretty well. A lot of you have kids. When you tell them to stay away from those evil street epistemologists, it's just going to want to make them want to talk to us, right? You, you even making these videos and talking about red flags and warning signs, and it's just going to entice your Christian youth to want to engage with us even more. Because they just love to rebel by nature, right? Because of Satan's, you know, primitive effect in their lives. Because he is the god of the of the world. So by actually pushing back on SC, you're helping it. Now, what you should do, and I'd, I shouldn't be saying this out loud, but what you should be doing is ignoring it. You should be ignoring me. Ignoring all street epistemologists, that's what you should be doing. You shouldn't give it any credence at all. But you just can't help yourself, can you? That's why I can whisper and say these things and it will have no effect. <laughs> Think, Brady, from what I've seen oh, and what I've engaged. Too much fun. What happens is you've established rapport with a total stranger. So you're in that awkward rapport bubble. Like you sit next to somebody on an airplane. You're like, oh, where are you going? What, mm. what, do you, what brings you to L.A.? And you have that conversation. You're like, I, I was a Lyft driver for a long time. Yeah. You start small talk kind of feel out like should i keep talking should i stop talking you know um you have this rapport bubble and you don't want to pop it right so as you're in this i don't mind popping rapport bubbles once in a while delicate rapport bubble with a total yeah. stranger they've just asked you the initial question which is i agree with you kind of odd what is your confidence in your belief in god and they want you to go along with this confidence skill you don't want to break that rapport bubble right you, you want to kind of go along with it you don't want to be that guy. You don't want to be that guy. It's yeah, you don't want to be that guy like when a Christian sits next to you on a plane and says, Are you saved, son? Well, I, um, I'm not a Christian, if that's what you're asking. But do, do you know the Lord? <laughs> don't break the rapport bubble. Just make an awkward conversation all the way from Chicago to LA. You got to sit next to this person and all of a sudden you're, 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 you're like critical of what they're doing, but, but you have to pause and ask, that's just a weird question for somebody that you just met. I mean, yeah, it is a weird question. Are you saved? You just met me, sir. But do you know the Lord as your, your personal savior? Do you know you're going to heaven? We just sat down and started talking five minutes Five minutes ago, sir. Yes, but the Lord could, he won't tarry forever. Yeah. For people that do this on the campuses and on the yeah. parks and stuff, you walk up to a guy with cameras and a microphone and a clipboard. You need to stop back and look at the whole situation mm -hmm. and recognize something else is going on here. Why are you videotaping yeah. this? Why this question? This is like, now I'm in psych, now I feel like I'm in my therapist's yeah. office. You know, <laughs> now you feel like, do you have a camera in your therapist's office, Daniel? Yeah. <laughs>
You're asking me about my confidence level? Mm-hmm. And so confidence really has nothing to do with the belief. This is, my, this is uh, the, the, the magnitude impact of street epistemology. They're not really, they are going after Christianity in, in, a, in a backdoor sort of way without dealing with its, the claims of Christianity. They just want to yeah. attack the person and what the person knows. It doesn't attack. Yes. Daniel Ray finally gets it. It's not about the core propositions of Christianity. We're just after attacking you guys. We just want to make you cry. Daniel found us out. Attack, attack. Daniel sounds a little bit like Mike Winger right now, right? Really deal with the, the arguments, but it is a tactic, a counter-apologetic tactic. So when they talk about confidence, you're off the map into the psychological realm. Why do you want to know about my confidence and my belief in God? What's yeah. What's that? So a lot of people. It's not. It's not psychology. It's a spiritual warfare, Daniel. We both know this. It's. We we might use the words psychology and cognitive coaching and that sort of thing, but you and I both know that what's really going on here is the powers of evil colliding with the powers of good. Let's let's be honest. People go along with it, a not knowing what's yeah. going on, and b. But once you commit to that, mm -hmm. um, there are several other steps in the street epistemologist repertoire that are what I call structured or guided questions. And they're often true, false, yes, no, tangible, intangible. Right, now he's starting to talk about me more because Anthony doesn't do this and um, Reed doesn't do this, I don't think. I do it on purpose because I hate bloviation. The Lord hasn't, the Lord hasn't blessed me with, with a lot of patience for bloviation. Now, a lot of you think I'm a patient guy, but really, um, I set up and I'm fair. I'm a because Satan taught me how to be fair. I'm fair. Like I'll ask a question, and your options are let's say lean true or lean false or I don't know or pass. I'll give those options. So it's not like I'm boxing you in, but at least I can. Or even I'll give. Sometimes I've given the option. I I disagree with the premise of the question. That's a legitimate answer too. But I don't want to hear stuff that doesn't have to do with the answer to my question. I mean, if you can answer with a lean yes or lean no, then answer with a lean yes or lean no. Don't assume that people care about anything that you have to say other than the question asked. Tangible. They're often, I've had this experience myself where I've offered a response. Well, what do you think about this? I say X, Y, and Z. Well, Ray, I don't understand this. Help me understand this. Here, um, what about these? I'll, I'll make these responses. By the way, if uh, anybody wants to come talk to me, uh, when I say talk to me, I mean talk to Satan's messenger. Email me. Uh, should I? How do I do this? My email address is uh, in the About tab of this, but I'll put it up here. So, Daniel or Brady, is that right? Yeah. I can pin that, right? Yeah, I can. Should be pinned now. My email address. So, email me if you want to set me right. Uh, but... If you're a Christian, please, I beg of you, wear the full ar armor of God. I don't want to cause un needless suffering. And um, email me first, then I'll give you a link. I have it already, and we can talk. And you can pick one. 
I said, well, no, none of those are my words. Those are what yes. you picked. That's what you picked. I told you what I mean. And if you're online, you know, I mean, there's nothing wrong. I do it all the time. If I don't know what someone said, I just go look it up really quickly. But it's kind of, I think for many, somewhat mm -hmm. disingenuous to, to say um, that you're not familiar with what those terms are, but then turn around and give you multiple choice answers. So they will, they will guide you yeah. into that realm of making you choose things. Yes, be guided, Ray, uh, Daniel Ray, be guided. If you have the truth on your, on your side, Daniel and Brady, or any Christian listening, put your hands out like this and say, handcuff me. I got the Holy Spirit. I got the creator of the universe on my side. I have truth. Go ahead, do your best. Put handcuffs on me and I will break those shackles down with the power of the Holy Spirit. Why are you guys scared of being guided or manipulated if you have the truth? In fact, you know what? If someone wants to come on and put handcuffs on me and shackle me and manipulate me, feel free. Come on. My email address is right there. Use the power of the Holy Spirit to devastate me. And, and so it's not really conversation oh. when you start to get going into it. You step and, in the, and, and if you do come on and use the power of the Holy Spirit to manipulate, no, the, the Holy Spirit would never manipulate, right? But, you know, to have that power on your side. At, at the same time, I would love it if you could pray in the name of Jesus to light these matches on fire. Up into a series of, of pre-guided questions. Some will say there is no script, but there is a script. You can go on streetepistemology.com and there's like a chart mm -hmm. of all the classic SE questions. And Let's see. Here's the script. Do you have any deeply held belief? Oh, I want you to think of Greg Kokel when you read this script. Is there some belief of yours that you would like to discuss? Do you believe in anything supernatural? What do you usually argue with people? Uh, could you please elaborate on that? Oh, yeah, that's great, Kokels. That's, uh, what do you mean by that? Um, testing, Socratic questioning. Should this evidence give us that amount of confidence? Yeah, I love this script. Yeah, Christians, you can use this script on Muslims if you want. So make sure you, um, you go to the streetepistemology.com. And if you have that Mormon neighbor or that uh, Muslim neighbor that you want to lead them to Christ, go to streetepistemology.com and there's a nice script there for you. It works every time it's tried. Every time. I mean, you'd be so many more souls for, for Christ, one, if you guys would only go to streetepistemology.com and use the step-by-step -step guide on how to get more Christians. Now, of course, the Holy Spirit is the one who does the saving, but... The Holy Spirit, what's that, Satan? You get upset when I mention the Holy Spirit? Are you guys still fighting? I thought you made up. I'm just saying they can go to streetepistemology.com and the Holy Spirit can use that to help get more people saved. It's not going to work? No, it will work. It's a step-by-step -step guide. Oh, it's up to God who's saved and who's not. Oh, well, yeah, but God could use this, right? You don't think so? Uh, you have too little faith, Satan. I have more faith than you do. They're designed to lead the believer or anybody into a corner of doubt. And so they are scripted. And so watch how you answer and see if, and they'll always offer analogies that are not necessarily in accordance with reality. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, if, if the Bible... Is he saying the flying man's not real? 
Oh, for shame. It didn't exist. Would that reduce your confidence in God's existence? I'm like, you know, so it's another weird question. Like, how can I even answer that question? You know, but somebody yeah. will go, well, well, sure. Of, yeah. The Bible didn't exist. And so whew, suddenly it seems like you've reduced the person's confidence yeah. because of this really bad analogy, but it's not even anywhere near the truth. So there's yeah, when in, yeah, when in, when in reality, uh, if, if we didn't have the Bible, we'd still be able to know that, that there, I mean, we wouldn't know, we wouldn't know it's the God of the Bible, but we would certainly be able to recognize via his creation, uh, yeah. uh, i.e. Uh, Romans chapter one. Yeah, <laughs> because Romans chapter one says, we don't need the Bible to know that God's real. How do I know that? Because the Bible says so. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, they're probably, um, you know, the God of the universe is out there and, uh, he revealed to me that he has nothing to do with the Bible. And um, I'm confident because of the personal experiences I've had in my life that God is real, but he, the Bible? Yuck, he told me, he, he said that. He said, yuck, that's not me. Jesus died and rose again? Yuck, that wasn't me. Satan raised him from the dead, not me. Satan, did you do that? It's just a story? Oh, okay. Uh, Psalm 19.1. Uh, you know, you kind of go down the list, but it's a nonsensical question because we're basing, uh, we're basing our, our personal knowledge of God based off God's word. It, because it, Yes, good point. He's basing his personal knowledge of God based on God's word. So he knows the Holy Spirit's real because of God's word. And the, and the Holy Spirit guides them to the truth that, that the Bible is God's word. See the circle there? I know the Holy Spirit's real because of God's word. I know the Bible's God's word because of the Holy Spirit. It all makes sense. And I'm, I'm glad you brought this up because it is, we're kind of looking at the red flags. We see, you know, that first red flag of, you know, of get, you know, get percentage wise. How confident are you in red you know, your faith or whatever the case may be? Uh, then, uh, then, giving you these options because I ran into that same thing with my conversation uh, that just recently ended where the individual, I, I mean, they were just dead set on making an issue that was a non-issue for me. They, mm -hmm. they wanted to force me into this area. And what was interesting is no less than a half a dozen times, I'm saying, this is not an issue for me. If you're really trying to rock my faith, um, this is not the road to go down. Oh, if you really try to rock my faith, this is not the road to go down. See, now, because I, I'm a seasoned street epistemologist, done this for many, many years, have a YouTube channel with thousands of, of subscribers, huge, huge YouTube channel, um, I would have said, well, okay, if this doesn't rock your faith, tell me what does. <laughs> if this is the wrong road to go down to cause you to doubt, tell me what is the right road to go down to cause you to doubt. Please, Brady Blevins, tell the whole world and your followers and supporters, in the past at least, what has caused you to doubt? And let's investigate that. Maybe you should go back to those doubts because you haven't fully solved them. Oh, that's so, so bad of me, right? It just, you're, you're picking an area that, that does not bother me. I could go either way on the particular subject that we were talking about, um, that it, I don't see it affecting the truth. Yeah, good question, Brian Stevens. I don't know if this actual conversation is online. Truthfulness uh, or any of the truth claims 
of Scripture. Mm-hmm. And this individual just could not handle. So what happens then when they're giving you like this A, B choice, but you your answer is not A or B, your, your answer is C? What, what? I do that all the time. I say, if your answer is A, say A, or B, or C, B. If, if it's none of those, then say other. But just stop talking. <laughs> Don't bloviate. What happens uh, whenever you go and say, no, 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 it's neither A nor B. My, my belief is this. What, what happens in the conversation when that happens? Well, for the less seasoned street epistemologist, less seasoned. they can start to get personal. And it's oh, very this is, Yeah, this, this is, I'm, I know, I know, I'm very confident. My confidence level is 99%. He's talking about me here. Hey, uh, thank you, Alan Bird, for the donation. These people do not see that their belief comes before their personal experience. It is their belief that bursts their experience. Yes, Alan Bird, that sounds very reasonable that, that um, their beliefs feed their experiences, but, um, but I'm sure they would see it the opposite way. How they do it. You're uncooperative. Well, you don't want to go along with this process. Yeah. And that that's what that's what happens a lot. Uh, that's what's happened t- to me. I have had engagements. Uh, this is an extreme example um, where someone has used uh, my candid struggles with depression um, as a reason for why I don't want to challenge my beliefs. I'm afraid to challenge my beliefs. I'm afraid to go through the SE process because Jesus saved me from suicide and depression. Um, but that individual. Well, Kay, let's say that's true. Let's say that that Jesus did save you from your struggles with suicide and depression. Isn't this a, a pretty big factor in why you believe? Yeah, I would think so. Isn't it? Wouldn't it make it more difficult for you to let go of a belief or doubt a belief or question a belief if you think someone actually saved your life? I mean, seriously, if someone say, literally say, let's say I was drowning in a lake and someone saved me, like literally I would be dead if it weren't for that person. My bias towards that person is going to be huge because without them, I'd be dead. So I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to listen to what they have to say because I owe them at least that for saving me. In fact, I want to play, um, this is Daniel Ray's personal testimony. It's public. And I'm playing it to show that you cannot put your head in the sand and say that these types of experiences don't come into play in why people believe what they do and why they are reticent, reluctant to have it questioned. is knowing that Jesus is there and knowing that the, 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 the level went to save me. That his, nothing in my life could be that difficult for him to, to deal with. And so uh, he keeps me going. He's kept me alive. He's saved me from suicide, but he's not completely removed depression from me. Now, I had a conversation with a friend of mine years ago where he said something similar. He said, Doug, if I didn't believe in Christianity, I, I'd probably commit suicide tomorrow. Guess what I did? I changed the subject, stood up, and walked away. Now, 
sometimes people say stuff like this and don't mean it, but sometimes they do. My advice is that when you're in that situation, play it safe. Daniel believes that Jesus has kept him alive and that he saved him from suicide. There, in my opinion, there's nothing you can do or say that will cause him to legitimately question his belief as long as he believes that first. Now, if he were to give me permission to cause doubt, like, you know, again, all my cards on the table. My goal is to lead you to hell, Daniel. My goal, I got Satan on my side. My goal is to make you cry in your room for two hours. Just assume the worst of me. It's fine. I don't care. But the number one step for a guy like Daniel Ray and for people like him is to get him to question whether it was really Jesus who saved him from suicide. or was it the people around him that who were maybe Christian who saved him? Or was it the thought, the idea of Jesus and Christianity that saved him and not actually an entity outside himself that saved him? In my opinion, this is the root issue for him. All the, the historical uh, evidence for the resurrection, the, the manuscript evidence, the prophecies, the fine-tuning argument, all this is garbage compared to this. I'm pointing at the transcript. I got it in front of me. I'm dead serious. This is, all that stuff is garbage. This is the real source, the root of his belief. And if someone believes that, that Jesus literally saved their life, my goodness, and you're talking about the number of manuscripts, really? Or um, the Kalam cosmological argument, really? It's a waste of time. There was another point here where he goes even deeper. See, and this is like in their view, this is why I'm so dangerous and why street epistemologists like epistemologists like me are dangerous because we recognize this. I'm quite sure if Daniel listens to this, he, he would say, I'm not wrong. This is, if not the root, one of the most important reasons why he's a Christian today. Um, what am I going to do? What hope do I have? What do I have? How can I get through this? And I think that's where Jesus was real to me. I mean, he saved me from, from some pretty bad stuff and still continues to save me from, and deliver me. He saved me from, from pretty bad stuff and he still continues to save me and deliver me. Like, if, if you're trying to cause doubt or have people question, critically examine their core beliefs, and, you, and they sincerely believe that they cannot live on without it, Good luck. I mean, you're stuck at that point unless they're open to the idea that it's not Jesus who saved them. I don't know how I can say that even more powerfully than I did. It's that has to be the root. Is an extreme example, but that's that has nothing to do with anything. So they get personal. 
some of them, the less experienced ones will get personal quickly and make these suggestions. You're being uncooperative. You won't go along with the process. You must be afraid. Here comes, here come the ad hominems. They start subtly uh, like a small fire. And then they say, why is that an ad hominem really? I mean, if it's true, then it's not an ad hominem, right? If you truly believe that you need the concept of Jesus or Jesus in reality to save you on a daily basis, not just eternally, but to keep you alive today. Now, I'm not sure if Daniel agrees with that, if he truly believes that, but if he does, if that's true, then why is that an ad hominem? That's just stating the truth. Some of them will just blow up into a into a rage that I'm a, what Peter Bogosian uses the term doxastically closed. In other words, you're so closed-minded, but it's a pejorative. Are you open to the idea, Daniel, that Jesus did not save you? What would be a defeater for that? What would be a alternative explanation? How did you come to the conclusion that, that an entity named Jesus, a spiritual being, a God, saved you and not your own thoughts or the community around you or your counselor or therapist if you had one? How did you figure out it wasn't the idea of Jesus that saved you and not necessarily an entity named Jesus external to you actually saving you? How do you know it's Jesus talking to you and not your own thoughts? This is a question that even seasoned, mature Christians struggle with. That a, a Christian or a believer is, is, is intellectually doxastically closed. He won't listen to anything like fingers in the ear. Uh, and that's kind of a, a systemic fallback that, that a lot of less seasoned street, street epistemologists yeah. will, will say outrightly. But now the ones that are veteran, this is interesting about street epistemology. There are thousands of videos out there about street epistemology. So on the one hand, some of them want to present it as a civil way to have discourse. But on the other hand, you watch some of these videos and they're all public about atheists in back channel street epistemology conversations talking about how do we get theists into the cul-de-sac of doubt? What are some trips and techniques that we can use to really get theists off their rocker and into the garage of doubt and unbelief? I mean, like, <laughs> Court of Curiosity's channel, I asked Reed this the other day, and he, he said that he thought that it's, Maybe 50-50 and maybe the majority of his videos are not religiously based. A lot of it's political or karma or stuff like that. I'm not sure what, what the percentage was for Anthony Magnabosco. My channel, there's nothing hidden here. Like it's almost entirely Christian, Christianity. I, maybe I, if I was to divvy it up, I'd say 90% Christianity, 5% Islam, and 5% other. Uh, once in a while, I'll go into politics. And my cards are on the table every day. It's like, how many times do I have to tell you? My goal is to lead you to hell. Like, I don't believe hell exists, but I want you to think that way. I want you to believe it. I want you to think the absolute worst of me does not matter to me. There's no back channeling and like, it's like, I got it out in the open. And they're out there. So on the one hand, it is subtle out there when they're practicing it but then on the the street epistemology and by the way i have it also out in the open that i've told many people to stay christian i think i even told daniel ray on twitter once stay a christian be the best christian you're going to be go live your life
technology how-to videos, there's a lot of them where there's just atheists talking about how to, how to rock a believer's world. So it's an unusual admixture, but mm -hmm. even the veteran seasoned street epistemologists will behind closed doors sometimes say that that Christian just has his fingers in his ears, or they, they make psychological evaluations, whether directly in front of a person or behind closed doors about the person's psychological makeup. The thing is, I get the impression a lot of Christian apologists poo-poo psychology, yet don't they at the same time embrace science? Like, isn't it true? Hasn't science shown that we are emotional animals who have a tremendous amount of bias, who struggle to look at the world objectively? Isn't this why we value things like machines and measuring tapes and robots and computers? We can't even see colors properly. We can't even look at two lines and say if they're the same length or not. Like if you value science as a Christian apologist, you value these concepts within psychology that uh, was a Jonathan Haidt who says that we're like writers sitting on an elephant and our intuitions and our emotions and so forth is the elephant and our intellect is the writer. And if that elephant wants to go straight and the writer wants to go right, good luck. That elephant's going straight. If what you deem as valuable and what your intuitions are telling you and your emotions are telling you is one way and your intellect saying, no, this doesn't seem right, we should go that way, good luck. Guess which one's going to win? We humans suck at figuring out what's true. Thank Satan for science. <laughs> Sorry. Kristen's going to hate that. No. Thanks, science for science. Thank you that we stumbled upon the scientific method. Because it's the worst form of epistemology out there, science is. But it's the best, better than everything else. Yes, I said it. Better than your spiritual experiences. Way better. At least 99% better. There, I quantified it for you. Anthony Magnabosco doing a kind of psychological evaluation about a person he talked to for only a few minutes. Oh, Anthony, you're so evil. Well, I'd love to keep chatting with you more, but I understand you got your family yeah, here, so maybe some other time. Thank you. Uh, may I get your first name? Oh, I'm Marianne. Marianne. Yeah. Uh, Marianne. Marianne. Yeah. Marianne. Very nice. Thank you so much, guys. See ya. Unusual that she wanted to be interviewed and recorded with her kids standing by, so I'm gonna have to add a blur to their faces. I really don't like getting kids in my videos. Neither she couldn't I. wait to testify about her belief, even tripping over her words to get it out. And, and the way that she was staring at me when she made her claim, honestly, made me feel a little uneasy. For someone with a possibly- All this psychologizing, man. Anthony sounds like a, like a police detective you know, trying to figure out if a criminal is telling the truth or not. Oh, wait a minute. Is that science, what the police do, the detectives? A seminary theology background, I was a little surprised that she would offer personal experience as her first reason for believing in a resurrected God. Oh, and did you notice when she asked me a clarifying question, I tried to model thoughtfulness and respect with my response? She started off as a close talker and she was rather tall, so I think the camera angle on this one might be a little funky at first. 
Now, I'll have to watch this again, but I think she held a confident superwoman's pose. You know, like with her hands on her hips. Oh yeah, I do that sometimes too. Sometimes I'll even eat if I want to show disrespect to my, yeah. So there's all these psychological cues that you can pick up on. Lips, but then draped one of her arms across her abdomen and grabbed her other arm. Clearly there wasn't enough time to probe her foundation of rock and examine. Anthony, are you a, a trained psychologist? Do you have at least nine credit hours in psychology? You're talking about, you know, all these things like, um, like, like you can investigate me or you can watch how I talk and react on live streams. Like you can tell that when I'm like this, that something's wrong, right? Like you don't, can you? Like, that's not true. That's not science, right? Or if, if you see me look up and to the left, that doesn't mean anything, right? Like I, I'm definitely not lying about anything I'm saying right now, right? It's just, this is just, um, this is just, uh, what's the word? Crazy talk. Examine her supposedly better justifications for believing in a God. Even though she said that she only had a minute, she turned around to engage with me some more, maybe because she felt like she didn't give a good justification at first, I'm not sure. <laughs> by the way, the music in the background, I'm sure was added by Daniel Ray. The best thing about this talk in my mind was that in addition to her listening to these questions, her husband and sons were also standing by listening to it. Yeah, that's not a good idea to have your family and your kids. Like if you're a parent and someone's asking you questions and you can't answer, you don't want to like lower the confidence in your kids watching, right? You're being psychologically examined and they are attempting to reduce your confidence in the belief in God. <gasps> Why is that bad again? I'm always confused. Oh yeah, hell. They're afraid. They're this, they're that. They, they don't like this. They don't like that. They don't. Well, you, you're not afraid about losing your hope, meaning and purpose, Daniel? You're not afraid that the God that saved, literally saved your life might not be there? No. Like this, this guy uses uh, depression as, as an excuse to say to the Twitter world that I'm, um, I'm, I'm afraid of examining my faith, even though I've told him repeatedly I do that for a living. This is my job. But, uh, you know, so, so it can get personal or they can come back with, um, in, in wanting to, to appear helpful, they can come back with more scripted suggestions. Well, why don't we try? I said, I tweeted to someone else. Uh, I don't have the exact tweet here, but I tweeted that once to him and he never forgot it. I mean, he brings it up every time. I think I seriously hurt Daniel in that moment. And I think it's because, uh, now I'm going to be cynical here, but he's, uh, his income comes from being an apologist. And I basically said, I'm not going to talk to you. I don't see why it's beneficial. And I think he took, uh, for the reason that I played in this testimony. And um, plus, he bloviates like crazy. Try this instead. Or why, they might try another analogy where they offer answers. But one thing that they're going to do repeatedly is continue to put the spotlight on you and keep it off of themselves. Some That's what an interview is. So you can either agree to the interview or disagree. When you interview someone, if you interview the President of the United States, the spotlight's on the, the President of the United States. Now, if you don't want to be interviewed, if you're not confident, uh -huh, can't use that word. If you don't want to be interviewed, then just say, no, thank you. I don't want to talk about my love for Jesus. Some don't mind the questions and will engage you briefly yeah. about that and respond to you. but. 
But when you start asking questions about their epistemology, about their belief, if you find out they're an atheist, <laughs> how do you street epistemology your atheism? That that's not see that's the thing is they so badly want to do this, but they would get really stuck really fast with a guy like me. In fact, I dare Christians to use street epistemology on me because so many of them suck at it. They can't. I've I've dared. I've challenged people to do it. And if you're doing street epistemology correctly, you're asking questions. You're not making any statements. And an apologist, oh, it's like literally handcuffing them. Let me say why you're wrong. Let me say something. Let me make a claim. Now, some of them can do it, but to ask questions based on the answers of your interlocutor is really difficult. I dare say most people can't do it especially Christian apologists, because they so badly just want to barf on you what they know or what they think they know. Yeah, I said it, what they think they know. Not favorably received. And those yeah. kinds of questions can quickly end what started off to be a civil discussion because of the nature of the interlocutor. And if you're a discerning person and, and a relational person, you, you can. Dis discerning person? Relational person? Does that have to do with psychology at all? Discern what's going on. You, you get the feeling that this person's... You get the feeling? You discern by getting a feeling? Are you using psychology? If it yeah. was a guise, mm -hmm. you quickly can feel like internally. Oh. It's not... You can feel internally if it was a guise, a disguise. Whoa, are these some, some type of um, nonverbal communicational hints that you're picking up on? No, can't be talking about psychologizing here. Not just a feeling, but a discernment that something is not wrong. Oh, yes, he's talking discernment. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. I forgot. Yes, he's a Christian. It's the Holy Spirit telling them that there's something not right going on. Right. And mm -hmm. so as you get those feelings, as the personal, yeah. the personal comes up, that's when I would recommend as, as a believer, you can just mm -hmm. say, thanks for your time. I appreciate it. I'm not comfortable talking about that. Let them think yeah. about why you answered mm -hmm. that that way. But but if they start off with those tacit personal assumptions mm -hmm. about you, it's not going to get better. Well, this is the, the crazy thing about this. I, I'm not going to speak for every atheist seriously, but I'm going to do it as a joke now, okay? So everyone be forewarned. This is sort of facetious, but maybe not. But every Christian listening, assume that every non-Christian asking you a question, now let me make it specific, every atheist, I want every Christian listening to assume the default position is that every atheist thinks the worst of you. I want you to have that in your head. This should not be a surprise. I want every Christian listening to, as, to have as their default position to assume that every atheist out there thinks you're stupid, irrational. Now, why am I saying this? Because it can only get better from there, right? Now, if you're only going to talk to other Christians, well, then you're fine. But if you want to have a conversation with someone who's not a Christian, like an atheist, for example, I think even Muslims think you're nuts. <laughs> a lot of Muslims would say that you're you believe irrationally in an inconsistent book called the New Testament. But if you just want to stay in your own bubble, fine. But go ahead, have those conversations knowing that the person thinks you're nuts. So what? You got the truth on your side, right? 
I don't know what it is. Because there's definitely some Christians think that I'm nuts and I'm, I'm uh, irrational for being an atheist. And although I've made videos saying that there's no good reasons for atheism, I've come up publicly and said that. So I really don't know how they could bash me on that one. But yeah. Yeah, it, it was interesting. Uh, well, I reading your reading your uh, Twitter feed is. Um, I mean, I don't know how you do it. I would have I would have gone crazy a long time ago. Why? Why would you have gone crazy? Christians, you need to expect the worst of people who don't have the Holy Spirit in them to lead and guide them. And even those who do have the Holy Spirit to lead and guide them, they falter, right? Like Rafi Zacharias. Oh, no, he wasn't a true Christian. Too soon? No. Like, why do you, why do you guys seem surprised and shocked? And, and, and why do you have these emotions like feeling crazy? That they will personally attack you and think the worst of you and think you're nuts and crazy and irrational. Why is this a shock to you? Do I need to remind you of your own scriptures that the gospel is indeed foolishness to those who are perishing? The gospel is irrational to those who don't have the Holy Spirit within them. Accept it. Hey, thank you for the donation. How probable is that? The Righteous Mind, Jonathan Haidt, Elephant Rider, Emotion, Reason, Great Reference. Well, thank you. But I didn't read the book. I just know I've read parts of it. <laughs> uh, it, it amazes me, though, the number of uh, mental health professionals that just happen to be drawn to your Twitter feed. I mean, these people are giving these ma these incredible psychological evaluations. and uh, um, I <laughs> For me, I don't have to give... Daniel Ray, any psychological evaluation, I can just listen to his own words that he admits he suffers from depression, that Jesus saved him and continues to save him. I just, I'm, I can't believe that all those, uh, all those professionals just happen to come to your side. I'm being just Thank you, uh, Thorm13, my tithes and offerings. Oh, are you a Christian Thorm who I've in, uh, increased his confidence in Christianity and you're giving back some of your tithes and offerings? If so, thank you. If you're an atheist, thank you. Decious, of course. Uh, it, it, it's one of the things that I, that was just, amazing to me because you're you're not on the platform that uh that i was on when i was having my conversation uh with this individual and i shared my conversation uh, uh ricka de pure ricka de pair t jump killed this guy on on the right in conversation yeah daniel ray yeah i watched a little bit of it see this is why i i'm happy not to talk to daniel ray because i do not want to do what t jump did for three was he have a total of six hours or five hours with it daniel ray talking about stuff that's in my opinion not the root issue of why he's a christian which is this stuff I'll, the link is in the description to me it's just a total utter waste of time but maybe they did talk about it and i just missed that part but here's a good example T-Jump, I think, is on record as saying that he suffers from depression as well, right? And he has gotten by without Jesus. How is that possible? And uh, what's his name? Derek from Myth Vision. Christians, listen to this. I have a, an acquaintance named Derek. He has a YouTube channel called Myth Vision. He was a full-fledged heroin addict. And he's been clean for a long time now without Jesus. I mean, his life was radically transformed by the power 
of not Jesus. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? That you don't need Jesus to save your life from heroin or depression. But maybe Jesus was saving them and they just didn't know it, right? Is that the Christian answer? Uh, with you. So you were able to, to read uh, what was going on. And it amazed me. Um, I, I'm like, I was going to call you Dan Stradamus or something. I don't know. Uh, because you were, you were predicting uh, what was going, what, what this other person was going to say. Yeah, I can do the same thing. I can predict. In fact, I have once in a while, I'll interview someone and then I'll type in the live stream chat what they're about to say. Sometimes I'm wrong, but sometimes, most of the time I'm right. I know what you Christians are going to say before you even think it. Depends on the version of Christianity. I'm very strong on the Protestants, not so strong on the Catholics, but even I'm getting better. Um, I, I know what you're going to say before you say it to the question. When I ask a question, it usually I got in, down to two answers, most of the time one. And uh, sometimes I'm surprised, but very rarely. In fact, an, a Christian who knows me well, and if I know them well, the conversation really doesn't have to take place. They, in fact, it could be totally one-sided. I could answer on their behalf and ask my questions. They could answer on my behalf and write down their questions. And we could probably take two pieces of paper and compare notes and be pretty close. So at which point we can just say, oh, well, then why bother having a conversation in the first place? After, after every reply, you said, well, now they're going to say this or, hey, get ready because the next thing that's going to happen is going to be a personal attack. And that, yeah, and I can predict when a, um, a Christian is going to say category error. Oh, I love doing that one. And I can predict when Christians are going to, at what point they're going to say, I'll pray for you. Atheists are smiling right now when they hear this because they know from experience at what point in the conversation, and it's usually near the end where the Christian will say, I will pray for you, and or category error. It's, uh, yeah, you, you can see it coming a mile away. And that's exactly what happened. Whenever, whenever I took this person and, and re reversed it and put them in the hot seat and asked them and actually asked them a really simple question. And, and the, I mean, the question was just very simple. Uh, do you believe in, you know, a, that there's objective truth or do you believe that truth is subjective? Both. Which is a very simple question. I mean, yeah, and I would answer both. And then a guy like him, I would predict, would be perplexed. And then I would be perplexed that he's perplexed because he shouldn't be perplexed. It's, um, and, and I get back this long response. And then with just a little bit of press. Hey, I like you, Brady Blevins. It sounds like you don't like long responses. I don't like long responses. We are, we can be friends. I don't want to be friends with Daniel Ray because he has long responses, but I'll be friends with you, Brady. Why don't you come on my channel? We can live stream at the same time. You can live stream on your channel. I'll live stream on my channel. We'll have a conversation. We're two grown adults. We don't need no stinking moderator. Moderators are for kids, right? I'll be gracious with your time. You be gracious with mine. And let's keep our answers short and to the point. Let's assume we don't care about anything, any other answer other than to the question asked. 
I think we can be friends, Brady. I like you. Thing, man, the next thing you know, um, I'm dumb. I'm uh, at one point uh, academically dishonest. I mean, just the, all the, the, the name calling just kept coming. Mm -hmm. And it's like, where did this come from? And I'm still shocked and apoplectic that name calling bothers you. Maybe it doesn't. Like, or I don't know why you're even bringing this up from i i never once insulted you mm -hmm. all i did was ask you questions and challenge your epistemology and you're i mean you're just uh, you're hitting the nuke button on me mm. and uh it's it's something that when you engage in these conversations you know that you know that you struck a nerve when you received this you know the thing is what's funny is when christians ask questions like um do you believe objective reality or do you believe in objective truth? Or do you believe in subjective truth? You can answer yes or no or whatever to those, those types of questions. And it still can have absolutely nothing to do with Christianity. And I think even Christians admit that. They're, they're talking about the philosophical God, if any God at all. This kind of feedback. And so... Um... I, I guess what I want to ask here is that, it, is it really always that predictable? <laughs> well, uh, as I said in the last episode, if Brady tells me what type of Christian he is, I mean, like what kind of type of church he goes to, what his background was, what denomination or not, no denomination. If he, Brady tells me he's Protestant, which I'm sure he is. Uh, if he tells me uh, what age he became a Christian, I bet you I could predict all his answers going forward to any question I ask. I really don't think he'd surprise me. Um, every street epistemologist that I've ever seen is an atheist. This is an entirely atheist phenomenon. There, oh, what's his name? Um, Chris Gadsden. Chris Gadsden, Daniel Ray. He is a Christian philosopher. He has a PhD. He at least used to be on the street epistemology um, Facebook page. And he participated. There was another guy. Oh, he has a YouTube channel as well, and he's a Christian. So I can introduce you if you want to some street epistemology. I think I can dig up their names who are not atheists, if you like. Not all atheists are street epistemologists, by the way. Yes. We know atheists at our book club. I think we would. Yeah, not all atheists are street epistemologists, and not all street epistemologists are atheists. We trust with our lives. Mm -hmm. We are friends with some of them. Oh, we oh Greg Kokel, yeah. A stupid me, don't. Greg Kokel is a street epistemologist, although he calls it the Colombo method. But we got to make a distinction. It, street epistemology is the devil side, the satanic side, and the Colombo tactic is the angelic side, the god side. But it's basically the same technique. Yeah, absolutely. And, and this would be a tactic, uh -huh. I think, for the skeptics that we know personally. This, this is they don't do this. There's there's a lot of atheists that do mm -hmm. see the tacticness of it, and and it's yeah. Well, who cares if it's a tactic? I mean, what do you call Christian tracks? Isn't that a tactic? What do you call um, Christian community banks? Isn't that a tactic? Food banks. What do you call seeker sensitive services that some churches do? Isn't that a tactic? Who cares if it's a tactic? It's just ways people use to convince people of their position. Is that bad? In fact, I am all for 
Christians being on the street, publicly run streets, and telling people they're going to hell if unless they repent. I'm for that. Now, that's a tactic too, right? Most even Christians agree it's a bad tactic, but it's a tactic. Being on a blowhorn. It, these guys are making it sound like tactics are bad. But maybe not. I don't know. But it sure sounds like to me they're saying it's bad. It's not a genuine conversation for a lot of people. And as I said earlier um, in the last episode about the ethics of street epistemology, a lot of people, skeptics, are going, is this ethical to take away, what? you know, okay, so you may not think Mormonism mm -hmm. is true, but is it ethical to rip away a Mormon's, you're taking away everything. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Doesn't Daniel know Mormons are going to hell in the Christian worldview? If they reject, like, oh, maybe Daniel thinks Mormons can be saved and stay a Mormon. But is Daniel seriously, like, saying that we shouldn't rip away Mormonism from Mormons? Because they believe in a false religion? I'm quite sure he thinks it's a false religion. Now, Mormons call themselves Christians, but we all know they're deluded, right, Daniel? Or are you saying that it's okay to rip Mormonism away from a Mormon as long as you quickly, as fast as you can, you put that rug of Christianity underneath to catch them, that safety net, so they're not crying in the room for two hours afterwards? I, on my channel, I focus on mostly pastors, preachers, and apologists. Sometimes I'll talk to just normal people. <laughs> But if you're going to hold yourself out to the public as an apologist, I'm not thinking about ripping your core beliefs away from you and worried about your anxiety levels and that you might suffer and cry in your room. No, you signed up for that when you became publicly known. You get dollars from the public to be an apologist. You have to have a backbone. You have to be strong. If you're not strong, get out of the business. Don't, I, I'm, I'm sure Daniel's talking about non-apologists here, but if he's saying that I, street epistemologists can't rip away Christianity from him or Brady, I don't think they're saying this, but if they are, like, my goodness, you guys should just stay in your church or stay in your rooms and cease to be apologists if you're scared about the ethics of having your treasured cherished beliefs being ripped away and you're going to cry i they're not talking about themselves right they're talking about the the weak christians they must be talking about the oh the weak mormons what if by ripping the mormons core beliefs out from their soul they come to the truth of Christianity. What Doug meant for evil, the Lord meant for good. Well, don't you hate it when I use scripture against you? Everything, if you're causing them to doubt. Friends, family, church, everything, yeah. my whole entire meaning. What are you giving them in, 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 in replacement? Is this ethical? Uh, yeah. We need to treat adults like infants. Maybe Daniel has a point here. Maybe most adults I don't know how to figure new communities out, do 
Uh, but aren't we treating adults like infants at this point? Oh, I made you to question your core beliefs. Oh, poor you. Let me quickly find some replacement for you. Are you okay? Am I being too cold-hearted? Uh, maybe I am. But I just, I, if I'm going to err, I'm going to err on respecting human beings enough to treat them like adults and don't think it's my responsibility for if they join a bowling league or go to your youth group. Uh, I may not agree with Mormonism, but if that person's happy and adjusted, and should I mess with their minds? And so a lot of people are questioning the ethics of it. Uh, and so recognize that all atheists, as we know, are different in terms of their own psychological makeup. Don't in turn do a psychological yes. evaluation on your interlocutor. We're not... <laughs> Catherine's RV says, my heart, that's minus seven. Is that Fahrenheit or Celsius? If it's Celsius, yeah, then I'm pretty cold-hearted. Psychologists, <laughs> don't return the yes. favor because that just, and I've seen it, Christians do this. We, well, you called me, you know, this and well, I'll call you that and this and that. And that just, that's what happens in social media. And um, so don't, don't return that. Yeah. But it is for the less seasoned. I agree with them. A yeah, it's like um, sticks and stones can break my bones, but words can never hurt me. How many, like... When I was a kid, that was a saying. Is that phrase gone nowadays? Like, these are uh, sound waves hitting your eardrums. A quick draw. Like, I'm out of bullets. I'm going to throw my gun at you. And, and they've lost the ability mm -hmm. to maintain yeah. civility. Now, a couple of the top street epistemologists that have been practicing this for years know how to stay calm. They have techniques for how they stay calm when things get intense and it's pretty good. You know, I would agree with a lot of the tips and techniques that they have, but yeah, my technique to stay in calm is I pray to Satan, Satan and fill me with your evil spirit. Oh, Christians clicked off just now. I can't even joke about this stuff because they take this stuff so seriously. But you can be civil yeah. and kind and sincere and still be an atheist. We're not questioning that. We're not mm -hmm. doing psychological evaluations ourselves, but for the exit, as I told you, when it gets to that volume from their side, mm -hmm. it's just time to walk away. Here's a tip I've had, or a tip that I can give you guys that I've used, and I've made this mistake many times, but when you're on social media like Twitter or Facebook, whatever, uh, limit yourself to three questions as a street epistemologist. You know, when you're trying to lead a Christian to hell, just three questions, say thank you for your time and leave. Just like little bursts. Christians, you can use this advice too. Um, if you're trying to convince me why I'm wrong, just ask me three short, simple questions. Listen to my answer. Ask a follow-up question if you want, based on my answer. Maybe do it one more time. Three is enough. Say thank you, Pine Creek, for your time, your precious time, and then end it. But so many times I see on social media, especially if you have a YouTube channel that's fairly decently sized, there's going to be people who want to butt heads against you. And sometimes I just do it for the sheer entertainment, I butt heads back. But they want to have like a lengthy dialogue back and forth for hours and hours, days and days, weeks and weeks, and sometimes months for months. I There was a Christian who 
when I was le just leaving Christianity, there was a Christian who was trying to reach out to me and he would like write me three page emails. And this went on for months. And I promised myself, I will never, ever do that again. <laughs> it was a complete and utter waste of his time and my time. Maybe this is why I like multiple choice questions or lean true, lean false because of that horrible experience. Show me on the doll where the long emails hurt you. I mean, the conversation is not going to improve yeah. once that starts to happen. But it's always there, Brady. No, it's it's always there. And in fact, at some of these conference street epistemology talks that I've watched, um, the presenter will talk about how there is a lot of psychology involved in street epistemology. Now, I admit it. Psychology is a soft science. It's nowhere near as good as where I come from, chemistry. Physics is number one. Chemistry is number two. And then you got a lot of other hard sciences like biology, zoology, uh, geology. Well, geology is not really a science. But. And then you got psychology. Now, but it's still a science and it still has some good things to say. So I don't poo poo psychology as much as like Daniel Ray seems to be. Like Jonathan Haidt, like I, I kind of like him. He seems like he, but you know, he, he ain't no physicist. Etymology. So in some sense, mm -hmm. they are acting as miniature pseudo-professional. Well, they're not professionals, but they are sort of... I'm a professional. I get paid to do this. Satan pays me well. I get dental. You, you promised me dental, right, Satan? Yeah. And vacation pay. I'm a trained professional street epistemologist. I get paid. That's the definition of professional. Doing yeah. psychological evaluations on people's thought. And Satan gave me... Was it nine credit hours of psychology? Yeah, I'm trained in that too. So all the psychologizing I do is board certified from the satanic board. And cognition. <laughs> and, and that's nothing to do with Christianity and they're not trained or equipped to be. Mathematics is not a science. Mathematics is the foundation of all science. It's, it's transcendent over science, I should say. Math is the real God, it's the transcendent, fundamental core that allows all sciences to thrive it has both art and science it's it's involves in the imaginary and in axioms ah yes mathematics be doing that what's your phd in doug organic inorganic i have a master's in analytical chemistry and a master's in business administration focused on finance and I have a four-year bachelor's in chemistry. I've been around a lot of geeks in my life. But that's what they do. But the smartest people I've ever met were physicists with a music uh, minor. True story. So if you are listening right now and you have a physics degree and a music degree or a music minor, you have my respect because both sides of the brain's as brain is working there so the minute you start to yeah. feel like you're you're i mean the confidence thing is right it's the foot in the door of psychology getting into your mind yes that's exactly what i want to do daniel i want to get into your mind i want to like get into the cerebral cortex 
behind the ears, behind the eyes. I want to see deep into your soul because that's where the mind, that's where the soul is, right? In the brain. And, and asking you questions about how you come to believe questions that philosophers are still wrestling with. I'm reading a professional philosopher book on philosophy right now. Exactly. And wait, wait, I thought you were a philosopher, Daniel. No? Epistemology is a huge thing, and there's still camps of people discussing what's the proper yeah. epistemology. So, so really, you know, the minute you sense it getting personal, don't carry it out. Just say, thank you very much. Have a nice day. See, this is bad advice, in my opinion. If you're a Christian listening, you should, number one, expect it to get personal and use this as an opportunity to go above and beyond it and not retaliate. You, you should expect the worst of your interlocutor, especially if they're an atheist, and then seize that as an opportunity to model the behavior that you desire. Show the love of Christ by saying things like, I understand. I'm sorry you feel that way. Um, what question would you like me to ask? How could I have answered this better? Use this as a, a growing experience. Don't walk away just because someone called you a bad name. Don't walk away just because someone said, you're a crybaby. Um, but but that, that does seem to be at the yeah. basement of, of, of where they are. Now, Again, it's it's not to 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 judge their motives or to do psychological a lot psychological evaluations in return. Just recognizing when that happens, as it's happening, you can either ask, "Well, why are you concerned about this part of my being? Why do why do you want to know this?" Or you know, just ask some some uh, mm -hmm. questions, which we can talk about here about how to respond. Yeah, um, and I think it's important, and I just want to make sure that our listeners know this that. If you're if you're engaging online in social media, it's okay to let them have the last word. Yeah, um, let, let, let them have it. And in fact, sometimes in some of my conversations, I've said, um, you know, it looks like this conversation has gone as far as it can go. I'd go even further than that if you're a Christian listening. Let the atheist have the last word, and also let the atheist win. Let the atheist control you and manipulate you. Let the atheist set you up in traps because why do i say this because you guys have the truth and you can't trap the truth you guys have the truth you cannot manipulate the truth the truth is the truth there's no harm a guy like me can do to you right so don't be scared or uh sometimes i've even said uh, it really seems like we're <laughs> Brendan. Oh, <laughs> that's a great question. I like your question, Brendan. hundred pine points. Would you rather have your kid get a master's in theology or gender studies? Theology. We're, we're no longer productive. Maybe we're talking past each other. Um, I'm going to go ahead and let you have the last word, and mm -hmm. um, and you can say whatever you need. Uh, let's see. Yeah. I want to play one part I played at the very beginning, but some of you were tardy and you're, you should be standing in the corner right now if you came late.
But I want to play this again from uh, Brady, because this is what it's all about. A season of doubt. And if they say they haven't, they're either not being honest or they just haven't thought about it. Because mm -hmm. doubt is one of Satan's favorite tools to use. And when doubt comes, it's not always a bad thing. Because doubt is Satan's tool. That's what it's all about. And so when they talk to street epistemologists who goal is to raise doubt in your core beliefs, they're using a tool of Satan. And what's the big thing? Did they even use the word hell in this? Nope. That little beep means there's no hell. <laughs> there's a spammer here. What's his name? I don't see it. Him, it, her. And I'm checking my email, but I've been checking it the whole time. There's no apologists who want to talk to me. Surprise, surprise. Or Christian in general. Hermias. Hey, if there's any mods in here. Here, here Travis. I don't do this very often, but I gave Travis mod powers. You can take care of them. I don't see them. So what's the bridge we can build here? My final thoughts, my bridge is if you assume the worst from guys like me, that's good. I want that because it can only get better from there. If you have the truth, you should not be scared to even admit that your confidence ought to be lower on certain things. If you're a Christian, you should readily admit that the gospel is foolishness to those who are perishing and that the whole world is under the dominion of the evil one and that those there are those who walk in light and those who walk in darkness. Your expectations of those who walk in darkness should be low. All the positive explanations expectations are on you Christians from within your own worldview. It does not matter if I can't justify a thing. I should still be able to and you're commanded I think to answer my simple questions of why you believe, how you got there, and try to trap you. Right? That's fair. Embrace the trap. My apologies to Brady Blevins and Daniel Ray. They were scheduled to come on and defend themselves, but we ran out of time. The Street Epistemology Podcast is a production of Street Epistemology International. You can donate or learn more about this nonprofit organization at streetepistemologyinternational.org. 
The views, guests, and topics expressed here or not expressed here do not necessarily represent those of the organization.